about this before. You, you know my reasoning. You know where it comes from. Welcome back to our April Fool's special for the My Little Pony Transformers crossover. Today, we will go through issues three and four, which will finish this little series. And now on to part one of issue three, Fluttershy makes friends, or um, <clears throat> pet sounds. Fluttershy and Discord are in Fluttershy's house having a tea party when they hear a very loud noise outside. Discord, for reference, is a reformed villain in the series. He's basically just Q from Star Trek. If Q were an amalgam of a bunch of different critters, all smooshed together, including being played by the same actor, uh, but he's good friends with Fluttershy at best this point in the series, presumably. Outside in a crater, Soundwave emerges, concluding that this world is illogical. Fluttershy asks Discord if he's trying to play a trick on her, but he says even he can't think of something this bizarre. Soundwave scares several of Fluttershy's animal friends who flee into her house for safety. Fluttershy attempts to calm them by saying, no one's all bad, before she catches sight of Ravage, Ratbat, Rumble, and Laserbeak. Her first instinct is, I can bond with this person. He has pets! Pretty much. Fluttershy gathers up a few of her animal friends and flies directly over to Soundwave to introduce herself. Said animal friends do not appear to be happy about this turn of events. I don't blame them. Soundwave does not detect a threat from Fluttershy, but correctly detects a threat from Discord. Meaning Soundwave can scan for chaos magic. Well, considering Starscream, I'm pretty sure he can just scan for chaos <laughs> in general. That's not a bad way of looking at it. Soundwave begins attacking Discord while the cassettes make a beeline for Fluttershy. Rumble, being the only one who can presumably speak in this group, starts badgering Fluttershy for information about this world's defenses. And also, why does everything smell like lavender? The Decepticons, I guess, know what lavender smells like. I think the question is, do the Decepticons like what lavender smells like? Very good question. Discord proceeds to make a, nu a nuisance of himself to Soundwave, transforming into a metallic version of himself. With puns, even. <laughs> Fluttershy, being Fluttershy, spots a scratch on Ravage's nose, or a boo-boo, as she calls it, and pulls out some boo-boo cream to tend the wound. Ravage looks rather disarmed by all of this attention. The rest of the animal cassettes all gather around Fluttershy, while Rumble is in the background getting more annoyed as he protests that it's not a boo-boo, it's battle damage. <sighs> Rumble backhands the cream out of Fluttershy's... hand? Hoof? Hoof, probably. <laughs> To the shock and chagrin of the rest of the cassettes, Discord, and all of the animals in the vicinity. Fluttershy gets upset because she was trying to be nice! The other three cassettes turn on Rumble as Discord transforms Fluttershy's animal friends into little robot versions of themselves. Surprisingly menacing ones, and they all attack Soundwave. Soundwave gets to learn what being attacked by a dozen rabid little bunnies feels like. Rumble attempts to dissuade his fellow cassettes from murder, invoking the F-word, the F-word being friendship here. Fluttershy immediately changes her tune and asks if friendship is what they really care about. Soundwave responds with, unquestionably, friendship superior. While being covered in a bunch of tiny, rabid metal animals. Yes. The fighting stops as Fluttershy says they can start over and be friends. Discord points out that he could just turn them all into little pretty ponies, but doesn't. The animal friends are returned to normal, and Rumble apologizes to Fluttershy. Megatron calms Soundwave at this point and tells him to meet up with the rest of the Decepticons. Soundwave responds in the affirmative, but with the caveat of, eventually. 
And the final panel has Soundwave sitting down and looking on at as his cassettes and Fluttershy frolic. It is a stupidly cute panel. Mm-hmm. Rumble has a bunch of bunnies in his arms. Ravage is playing with a burb. Laserbeak and Ratbat are both giving tiny animals rides. And Discord is giving Soundwave a thumbs up. It's happy communication all around. Right? Like, this is what Soundwave deserves, okay? This is my humble opinion. Soundwave should just stay here and be happy. I actually would pay good money for a crossover, like a crossover pick of them, just Soundwave helping with, like, Fluttershy's animal hospital thing. That's so, so cute. <laughs> it would be a relaxing vacation for him. He deserves a relaxing vacation. My boy deserves a relaxing vacation. Also, just going to pause. If you guys hear creaking, I am super sorry. But we, my neighbor is moving around a lot for some reason. And there's a lot of creaking going on here. So, sorry you can hear that. Issue 3, Part 2. The flying foxtrot begins with Rainbow Dash reclining on a cloud and chomping on an apple content with life. At least until Windblade zooms by, dissipating Rainbow's perch. The two introduce themselves to each other, and Rainbow proclaims herself as the fastest in Equestria. To which, Windblade, seasoned warrior, playing with literal jet engines, asks, Until I showed up? Of course, the only way to settle this is with a race, apparently. Considering Rainbow Dash's personality, yeah. Yeah. At the starting line, we get cameos from some horse-based Transformers, Mach Kick, and Battle Unicorn. Which, honestly, since one's a horse and one's a unicorn, I'm just amused that these exist at all in a toy line for boys. And also, I kind of want them on principle. They're... they look amazing. <laughs> With very convoluted transformations. Apparently. Because apparently, you can't... You, you, you can take the horse out of the organic, but you cannot take the horse out of a horse. I know, you, that was really dumb. You can take the organic out of the horse, but not the horse out of the robot. Yes, so it's, uh, anatomy is just about as bad as a real horse is what I'm getting at here. Windblade and Rainbow Dash take off in our neck and neck, figuratively speaking, since Windblade doesn't have a neck right now, but whatever, until they run into a gaggle of Decepticons. Misfire and the Rainmakers. No, well, to be specific. And honestly, that just sounds like a band thing. Gemini Hologram's new rival. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, great, okay, okay, I know, I know, I know that we were talking about this in our warm-up, not in the actual episode, but if you want to get into weird things you can, that, like, fit into the Transformers verse, arguably Gem and the Holograms takes place in the same continuity, and in fact, there's a G.I. Joe character whose entire backstory is that he was a roadie for Gem and the Holograms, and G.I. Joe definitely takes place in the same universe as Transformers. And considering the comics, which definitely have had multiple G.I. Joe crossovers. Yeah, but not Gem and the Holograms. Like, I think the last IDW Gem and the Holograms was kind of weird because it didn't it didn't tie in with the rest of, like, the Hasbro-verse. Mm. <laughs> anyway, I'm sorry. Tangent. It just cracks me up. That's all. <laughs> the Rainmakers popped up in a season one episode in G1 when the Autobots had to visit Cybertron. Misfire doesn't show up in G1 till like, very late season four, and by late I mean season four only has, like, what, three episodes? Yeah. Um, but you know what I mean. And he's more widely known from his IDW appearance with the Scavengers, who are sirs, not appearing in this comic. And also for his incredibly bad name. <laughs> <laughs> and also for his incredibly bad aim, for which poor Misfire gets his name. <laughs> Rainbow Dash suggests doing the flying foxtrot. <laughs> Which Windblade, understandably, is not familiar with. 
And I'm half convinced that Rainbow Dash made it up, but whatever. This entire thing seems to be baiting the cons into shooting heat seeker missiles at the two of them and then nyrming behind them so that the missiles hit the cons instead. The comic ends with Rainbow Dash and Windblade agreeing to a tie and sitting atop a pile of Rainmakers and Misfire, who all look like they are regretting their life choices. They were defeated by a pony. I would hope they were regretting their life choices. <laughs> Issue 4, Part 1, is Strength in Numbers, featuring Applejack and the Insecticons. It opens with Applejack being very upset that there are some giant-ass bugs in her orchard eating everything. And... I mean, she unfortunately has a super big pest problem here. Which is a bad thing when her entire income is dependent upon farming. <laughs> yep. The Insecticon Horde is very happy and surprisingly cute as they munch on delicious apples and trees. Applejack attempts to chase them off in multiple ways, none of which work. Spraying them with a hose, hitting them with rakes, spraying them with the hose again, and then trying to push them off the apple trees. Back inside her house, she brainstorms more things to try when Discord appears out of nowhere, and she too is like, Are you playing a prank, Discord? Well, if I lived in Ponyverse or Equestria, Equestria. I think that might have been my first thought, too. I mean, fair. Giant insects are eating her apples. Like, who else could do that but Discord on a normal day? Mm -hmm. However, Discord says that this stuff is too mundane to be one of his pranks. Applejack asks for his help. He declines as he'd much prefer to watch this madness but he does summon all of the apple family to aid applejack the apple clan is here no really like all of them are here and i am not listing them off because it's pretty much every single apple character that appeared in the show at some point so all of the apple clan charge in i'm kind of wondering now if he like showed up and briefed them all because they all just <laughs> I think they all saw through the portal and saw bugs eating apples and were like, my people are calling me. <laughs> my, my home needs me. My home needs me, exactly. <sighs> Babseed, Big Mac, and Apple Bloom take out an Insecticon by themselves by kicking it. Which are Applejack's cousin, older brother, and little sister, respectively. Several other apples take out other Insecticons with ropes. And an elderly apple accidentally kicks one of Bombshell's Cerebro shells back onto him and then orders him to go away while she's sort of flailing. Accidental mind control. Here we are. <laughs> and the day is saved thanks to the apples. And we move on to the final chapter of the crossover, fittingly called Finale. We open in the Crystal Empire with one of the other princesses of Equestria, Princess Cadence as several of Twilight students report back to her that the Decepticons are nowhere to be found, but are likely planning an attack according to the Autobots. Speaking of attack! The wall is smashed in as Megatron, Queen Chrysalis, and their allies arrive and demand that they hand over all the magical artifacts. Twilight, Sparkle, and Optimus arrive just in time. Optimus attempts to get Megatron to leave with politeness. Surprising no one who's dealt with Megatron for more than 10 seconds, he declines. <laughs> and with a combined call of transform and trot out, and till every pony are one. Oh, so grammatically incorrect. <laughs> the Autobots and their allies go on the offensive. And I get secondhand embarrassment from those lines existing in a printed form. <laughs> Pinkie Pie throws a pie in poor Soundwave's face. 
and we get a pretty great two-page spread where a variety of things are happening. Rarity is riding in RC's vehicle mode as they launch themselves at Shrapnel. Optimus punching the crap out of Starscream. Megatron orders Shockwave to just get some magical shit already. Bumblebee goes on a tangent about Equestria's tasteful decor. More bickering back and forth, and then Twilight summons the orange cap of shame onto Megatron's fusion cannon. For reference, this is referring to the fact that Megatron, with his original alt, can't normally be sold without said orange cap, identifying that he's not a real gun, which was a thing that was put into place after, or like, you know, late 80s, early 90s. Um, at least, you know, he can't be sold without this in the States, and personally, I think it's fucking hilarious. <laughs> and through the powers of friendship and Spike's awesome skills, the space bridge opens and Spike and Grimlock come through and assist. And this is Dragon Spike. Yes. Not Human Spike. Oh, to which Dragon Spike is wearing adult Human Spike's exosuit, though. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to make this more confusing, how many spikes would you like to go around? That sounds really dirty within the family. I'm gonna move right along. <laughs> Twilight and Optimus use Alicorn magic and the Natrix in tandem to send the Decepticons home. One delightful tea and Energon party later, the Autobots arrive back home themselves. Optimus then explodes the space bridge behind them to protect Equestria from the Decepticons. Much to the sadness of the Autobots, who enjoyed their time with their new friends. Unfortunately for the ponies, Shockwave might have figured out a way to bring them to Cybertron instead. And on that sequel bait, the crossover ends. And yes, there is actually a sequel that's been announced. In fact, I think the first issue or two might be out, and we're definitely looking forward to reading it at some point. I feel like I've definitely seen a cover. Other than that, what were your thoughts and feelings about this crossover? The colors and such were really nice, but the cartoony style that the My Little Pony artist used for the robots didn't really work for us. And we want to add, we're not saying they're a bad artist. It was merely a stylistic option that didn't mesh well for us specifically for the robot characters. Mm-hmm. Um, this was further compounded by the fact that normal, like, Transformers artists that we are more used to doing comics were also involved in other issues. And so they were drawing the robots better, and then the ponies also didn't look, like, terribly off-model or something, so it was just less distracting when they were doing it. Mm-hmm. Overall, the special is good, and we recommend it to you if you like Transformers and My Little Pony. Not that you should, you know, wait for a recommendation or anything. <laughs> uh, the Fluttershy Soundwave chapter was a standout for both of us. It was very cute, and I really enjoyed how emotive the non-speaking cassettes were. I loved seeing the poor man have to deal with Discord's nonsense. <laughs> I feel like we could have done with something longer having him deal with Discord nonsense. Yeah, it was constrained in the way that they did this, where each there were only four issues, and each issue was was split into two parts. Yeah, and it's only 24 pages an issue or something, so it's very... They're very minimal and very constrained. Right. It's just an issue with the medium. I also really enjoyed the Spike Grimlock chapter, because it was nice to see them both admiring each other's qualities and supporting each other and just being so uplifting. And cute. Mm-hmm. My second favorite was probably the Pinkie Pie chapter, though, because it was just completely batshit insane. Uh, just, again, Shockwave had a whisk and a spatula because he was planning on eating the ponies. I, where do I go with that? How do I make that better? I can't. That's the answer. <laughs> Shockwave just really wants to, to practice his, um... Culinary arts? <laughs> yeah. 
I don't know, the implication that Cybertronians have a culinary arts is just kind of weirds me out. <laughs> yeah, but, but Gage was like, I have a recipe! I know, well that's the entire <laughs> implication, it's just like, oh. Mm. I love that we probably got more actual, like, culinary canon from a fucking My Little Pony crossover than any of the other Transformers comics combined. Yeah. That's weird. <laughs> I mean, the fact that it does come from effectively a pre-war era does mean that we'd potentially get more culture. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't think this was pre-war. It seems like it was mid-war. I know, but just the fact that the uh, IDW2 is mostly pre-war. Ah, that's true, that's true. The characters all felt in character, their relationships were entertaining and sweet, and barring the one artist, everyone was very expressive. And with that, thanks for joining us for our April Fool's special. We hope you all enjoyed. Join us next time as we go back to business with episode 43, The Golden Lagoon. Yay. And that just about wraps it up for us today. Remember to check us out on Tumblr or Pillowfort as AfterSpark-Podcast for any additional information, show notes, or links we may have mentioned. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter at AfterSparkPod, all one word, and various other locations by searching for AfterSpark Podcasts, such as AO3, iTunes, Spotify, and YouTube, just to name a few. And feel free to send us questions on Tumblr, YouTube, or AO3. Till next time, I'm Spex. And I'm Els. Toodles.